0: That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply.
1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com.
2: Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. We are back, the making of a marketer. It's Andy Pondillo, Jess Nickerson today on this wonderful Wednesday. And we are excited today to talk about a lot of different things. You know, we're talking about some entrepreneurial spirit today, Jess. You know, something that, you know, I I don't know. I'm curious to ask our guests about this. I think a lot of people have a little bit of it in them. I honestly want to discover like what that is. Uh, but most importantly, Jess, before we start, I always hit you with a surprise. So um, my surprise today from the marketing world—you know I'm in tune to a lot of different things—but the thing that I'm really in tune to is Firefest 2 uh, dropped this week. So um, if you're looking for a marketing case study, uh, it's out there. It's allegedly sold out, and Firefest 2 is here. Jess, are are you excited? Oh, I can't
1: wait! <laughs> yes, Andy, you'll you'll really have to to help us all out here by talking more about what's really happening and the marketing strategy and the social media strategy behind that. Because I I did watch the the documentary on Netflix, and I was disturbed. <laughs> I, I'm just gonna. Leave it at that. She was
2: absolutely disturbed. You'd be happy to know that when I managed a small team, I actually did a a small training session on influencer marketing from Firefest. So, uh, without the bad stuff, like just pretending that it was a real concert, we talked about it and the influencer strategy and how innovative it was. But I derail. That's how I like to start the podcast. That's that's our new thing: is what can I surprise Jess with right out of the gate? That's non-rehearsed. But what is rehearsed today is we have. Dave Schneider. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Shortlist, and Dave is an entrepreneur. He's done a lot of different things in this digital industry. So we're, we're talking to him today about you know, what Shortlist brings to the table, but also we want to get into the mind of a CEO and an entrepreneur and what that takes and you know what are those steps for making something big like this happen. So Dave, welcoming you to the show and a big thanks for having you here today. Thanks so much for having me, uh, Andy and Jess. Pleasure to be here. So let's start off right out of the gate. We have a question we ask everybody, and it has to do with creativity. So I know when you're designing a company, there's going to be a lot of creativity because there there's a number of people trying to do this. There's crowded marketplaces. It's it's tough to break into. So let's talk about, you know, when you get stuck creatively, what is your mastery of getting unstuck?
3: I think for me. Um, everyone kind of draws creativity from various sources. Mine is always other people. I always find it very motivating to uh, meet with other individuals, hear about what they're working on, um, their passion and motivation. Even if it's a project that really has nothing to do with I'm kind of you know my field of interest, starts to kind of get my wheels turning. It just sort of kickstarts my brain to say, you know what? Why am I? I should need to sit down and think about. What is our one, two, three, five year plan? What are our mission vision values? you know what are these different things that you know I hear that they're applying to their projects, their teams? and just kind of give me some some takeaways um, to, to look at my own. So um, yeah I tend to kind of draw creativity from other entrepreneurs. Um, that's why I do enjoy you know going to conferences, doing networking events. Um, I always come back always very kind of jazzed up. Um, 90, 95 percent of the time, I tend to kind of work, by myself, um, out of my home, my team's always remote. Most of my team for shortlist, for example, is in Macedonia. So the people interaction is a little bit of a scarce resource. So whenever I'm uh, feeling yeah, a little bit uh, uncreative, um, I'll seek out some conversations with uh, human beings.
2: I love that, Jess. We talk about that all the time like talking to other humans. I mean, we can't stress that enough, Dave. That's something we've tried to find some parallels to a lot of the different, you know, marketers and executives we've had on this show. And I feel like that's just such a constant thing that we hear is that human touch, whether it's in your vertical or not.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I, you know, some months ago, not to totally pivot into a whole other story here, but, uh, but some months ago, I, I live in Philadelphia, it's not necessarily known for its tech scene, uh, there's entrepreneurs here, but it's not one of the big name, San Francisco, New York, you know, Boston, Austin type of places. Um, but there were a couple uh, groups where some entrepreneurs kind of uh, used to get together pre-COVID, um, some meetup groups for example if people are familiar with the social site meetup.com uh, um, and there was one called philly tech entrepreneurs that hadn't really been engaged with for a while and i reached out to the owner and asked if i could kind of take it over and since then we've been kind of running some events month to month just meeting up at uh at like a local bar um and we've been getting some nice crowds like 20 30 50 people or so and just people work on different things so um what you know it's just been it's cool to i guess that you know I guess if since I wasn't really seeing that in the city to kind of go out and kind of create our own uh, community revive like one that you know had been active in the past, and then just it's been amazing. uh, Some of the conversations and people that have been introduced just through that so um, if you know you're out there and also maybe doing a lot of work from home and things like that, uh, I would definitely say my, you know, in my own experience trying to go into some networking events, trying to do some co-working spaces, just trying to bump uh, casually, serendipitously into some other people is a great way to maybe get you out of your row.
1: Dave, is there a question or something that you're really curious about when you talk to uh, these people? Like, we're, we're curious about creativity.
3: Yeah, it always depends you know, on the person and I guess kind of trying to understand a little bit about their journey. But um, I try to just, I guess, learn about what they're passionate about. Um, when you can get someone on the topic of a passion, then they tend to speak with it with a lot of energy and enthusiasm maybe that's business, maybe that's some hobby they've picked up, you know, recently. And like, you know, I, yeah, so I run this agency, but actually in my spare time, I really like to do woodwork or something like that. It's like, cool, let's talk about that. Um, or, you know, whatever it might be. Um, so many of conversations when, you know, you, you meet someone new for the first time, you tend to ask sort of like, you know, where do they live? And, um maybe are they married with some children or what do they do for work and things like that and those are you know those are topics are all well and good but um I think a lot of us sometimes are like we have something where like we just want to talk about right like something we've something we've read or some hobby we've kind of picked up or something some documentary we saw recently like Firefast, and just kind of like trying to steer people towards that conversation and give them space to just like talk excitedly about something um that always just I sort of feed off of that excitement, even again if it's not something I know that that much about. It's always interesting to just kind of learn. So um, you know, I say so generally speaking, yeah, trying to kind of—I I guess I wouldn't necessarily put someone on the spot and go, "What are you passionate about?" But you know, trying to kind of steer them in ways and be like, "Have you been, you know, working or doing anything interesting, you know, recently, or have you come across or seen anything interesting?" Just give them that freedom of space to, to talk about what they want.
2: You know, and that's something that Jess actually did with myself. You know, we were part of a, a buddy system at work, and and Jess mentioned, you know, something to the extent of my radio days, which are are long gone. It was my my name was Crash with a K. Um, that was my little marketing ploy. Uh, but you know, you talked about that, and it was like, hey, have you done a podcast? And I was like, you know, no, but. And then I started talking about it and it's like the passion of like doing like on-air work and speaking and and how I just like to have kind of open-ended conversations and, and these types of things, like it started to come back again and it literally was prompted just by just asking a question. So um, I think there is an importance to that. So uh, Jess, I know that that was something that uh, kind of surprised me. I said, let's just go for it. And then, you know, we made some magic happen. Yes, definitely.
1: I love the idea about, you know, tapping into the the person's passions because, as Dave was saying, he's right. It's like you 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 feel the energy. It's like when we're talking about marketing or when we're talking about creativity or innovation, like you feel the energy from us. and uh, it it definitely sparks more. Uh, you know out of the box thinking, creative thought, uh, just by like
2: leveraging and picking up off of that energy. Most definitely. And you know, like one thing we learned in radio, Jess, is that you got to just keep the flow going. So right now, <laughs> Dave looks like he got bumped briefly um for connectivity issues. So um pardon us as we try to get him back, but we'll keep the live show running. And that's something that I think I'm going to be curious and just learning about him more and more is, you know, the next thing we talk about is what is Dave's start for one to be an entrepreneur. I had someone a long time ago tell me, it's like, Andy, you love social media. Why don't you just run your own social media agency and just go for it? And I was like that, you know, the first place my brain goes is I go to bar rescue and, you know, these people that like um, spend, um, you know, their entire life savings on, um opening a bar. So like my first thought is like opening an agency and I might like, go broke. So like I, I, I well, I'm just super curious like, what is the confidence for you know someone to go in and just start a company like that?
1: Yes, this is a hundred percent so timely. I mean, I'm seeing my LinkedIn feed being blown up right now with um entrepreneurial and entrepreneur entrepreneur content. And I actually saw a, a Uh, a study conducted recently on LinkedIn around small business and in 2027, 50% of the business in the U S will be run by uh, small business owners and entrepreneurs. So like, this is uh, definitely a timely topic and something that, you know, more and more people are looking into and, uh, and being encouraged to like take that leap
2: yeah yeah and it's so much-
3: uh, oh i'm sorry yeah i'm so dave sorry my out. computer just shut it just shut off like very randomly the battery's fully charged i don't, I don't know what happened
2: well um, no, D- well dave what was great is you helped me um revisit another radio skill and how to <laughs> keep something running you know in the live broadcast is you always have to find a way to keep it running as Dave's days trying to to get back and online right now is, you know, hey, we always have some padded topics to like go off of. And, you know, what what I hear a lot to just, you know, what you're talking about is uh, I feel like startup world has become such a big thing in the tech industry. And, you know, we talked to a super Tim several months back and he talked about, You know, what are growth patterns that somebody likes to see in kind of a startup world? And that's so fascinating to me because it's like, as a marketer, I think about all these different metrics, but I don't always think about it from, you know, a small business startup, like what you need to see, what timelines have to be. And it talks about, it it really discusses that alignment. So, Dave, bringing you back in here um, to our conversation. What we were just talking about is we were super curious. So, You start your career um, and you bridge your career into becoming an entrepreneur CEO. What was that motivation? And, you know, how do you really like eliminate some fears of doing that? Like what's that signal that says you can go for it?
3: Yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, happenstance and just kind of unexpected uh, paths that tend to kind of happen when you allow them to. Um originally I wasn't ever really thinking entrepreneurism from an early age or really from any any age whatsoever. Um I had I went to college, I got a job afterward, my job was was nice enough. Um and then at some point my girlfriend, you know, she really prompted me to say, why don't we go do some travel? You know, why don't we take some time off and go digital nomading for a bit? Um and I I I was Intrigued by the idea, why not? Why don't we, when we take a little time off? Uh, you know, while we're young, type of a thing. And we started to kind of map out this trip. And uh, as we started to kind of run the numbers, the finances, we saw that you know we had some savings, but we probably were gonna need to bridge the gap a little bit. So uh, we started to uh, build a website and start a travel blog and work with some sponsors and make a little bit of money that way. And when you kind of get that first like dollar online, that that sort of is a little bit of an epiphany moment because I'd never earned money that way. I, you know, I'd always kind of uh, just been a salaried employee. And so uh, it was interesting to kind of have that happen and then to sort of see it scale up a bit. And you start to kind of understand that there are other people that are living this lifestyle um, who have progressed in their careers and they are running you know, service agencies or building software or whatever it, it is and you, you kind of, the path kind of starts to open up. And so as we started to get, uh, go down the line of traveling more and more, and I mean, we are basically digital nomad for about five years or so. Um, it, it became almost a necessity to, you know, we became attached to just doing our own thing. Um, and one thing kind of led to another, and and here we are, you know, 10, 10 plus years later, um, and when they shortlisted some other things. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's sort of allowing, I guess, um, dominoes to kind of fall over and and doors to open and and just sort of taking a little bit of a chance, I guess, Um, with regards to the travel, which was probably the biggest risk that kind of was taken at the time. um, I thought about it. And I said, you know, what's the what's the worst that, that happens? I go home, I live with my parents for a bit, I find some other work. And then there we go. And then I move on with my life. You know, I still have my education, I still have whatever network I've built, like I still have other skills I have, you know, no no one can really ever take that away from you. So as long as you feel that you have some degree of like a safety net, um, it starts to demystify, you know, some of these, these quote unquote risks that you're taking.
2: And this is interesting, Dave, to hear from that perspective, you know, something that has been said to me, but by multiple people in my career, just, you know, with my kind of social media background and how you know I've been able to build this is they're like Andy, you could like, you'd be perfect to go run an agency one day, or you'd be perfect to to build something like this from scratch. And I think we're doing that with this podcast, but I personally, like when I think of the risk, like I was always like, That sounds like perfect like idea, but I'm like, I'm freaking scared (laughs) to do that. But I, I love the way you explained it. I think you did it at the right time. It sounds like you did it before, you know, marriage, kids, things like this. You were doing it young. And I think that there's probably a lot of young people listening to this show right now that they might be getting out of college. It's like, is this a path for me? Do you think that that timing aspect plays a big role in it?
3: Yeah. I mean, definitely did in my case for sure. You know, if I was uh, maybe I'm less risk averse today because there are certain other responsibilities um, that I have, you know, with uh, kids and and wife and mortgage and things of those. Um, So I definitely don't want to um, sort of minimize, you know, uh, like, oh, well, why doesn't everybody just, you know, go to Thailand or whatever it is? You know, we all have different things kind of going on in our lives nevertheless you know there are still many examples of people who later in life you know in the 30s 50s 40s 50s and beyond start businesses very successful ones at that um they take some calculated risks um they have the support maybe of a life partner who maybe is can you know be the sole earner for some period of time or whatever you know whatever it is it's uh it it is doable it's something that you have to kind of sit down think out um but uh, to immediately, you know, uh, kind of sweep it uh, uh, under the rug and say, well, just, I can't do this because
2: I'm not 23, um, you know, definitely, I, I, don't, I don't think that's the message, you know. So let's talk about that with short shortlist. Let's, let's talk about what you're doing right now and and how you're leading over there. What, you know, is shortlist? What is, you know, the day to day for you as the CEO and kind of take us through that growth of how you got this thing from the beginning stages to where you're at right now. Sure.
3: Uh, Shortlist is about five years old. Um, We could call it many things, many uh, on the surface. It it probably looks like an SEO agency, which is not inaccurate. I sometimes like to call it a productized service for link building. We also offer some other services like content strategy, website design and dev and things like that. But it's relatively nuanced in terms of what we offer. Um, But even with that focus, it's still a pretty crowded space. Um, There are a lot of agencies that offer similar services. There are other productized services and tools that people could use um, for this to kind of achieve the same end result. And that was the case five years ago as well. It wasn't the case that we were some sort of first mover advantage and we kind of went in and now here we are and now nobody else can kind of do what we do. Um, I have not been one to generally been intimidated by uh, a space that had competition and that people were working in. Sometimes that has benefited me and sometimes it has not. But at the end of the day, when a market is large enough, uh, I often find that there is potentially a niche that you can carve out for yourself. And in the space of link building, we found that you know there's just a lot of people not really providing very high quality, uh, very low standards in terms of the different websites that people were getting backlinks from. And so uh, we had heard similar types of complaints from people who had worked with agencies uh, before and they were not happy with the quality of the product that was provided. They were not really happy with maybe the pricing or the fact that so many services were bundled or they didn't feel like they were getting of the individualized um, kind of experience that they were expecting and so we built kind of shortlist to have like a mom-and-pop feel but then to try to grow as much as we could um, but never compromising on our kind of quality standards and our values Um, and whether or not that's limited us you know so be it but uh, but you know I'm happy kind of with, with what we've achieved so far so Um, Essentially, we serve, you know, uh, small businesses who have an online presence and are looking to maybe increase their rankings for certain keywords that they're ranking for, or they're creating content and they need some backlinks to give that content more authority, eventually into more traffic and sales or they want to revamp their website and they wanna do a redesign, a rebrand, um, or they need some content created for them. Those are kind of the main uh, kind of customer uh, journeys that, that we, we come across. Um, as I mentioned, the team is fully remote. Um, it's about two dozen or, of us or so, most of them in Macedonia. And I really wanted to, I'm a a lifestyle entrepreneur. Um, I have a digital nomadic background, so I'm always thinking like, but what if I wanna go to Peru, you know, but then what? So I try to kind of create these services where I'm not sort of a a bottleneck. And and that is why, you know, like I mentioned, some would refer to us as an agency, but I like to think of us more as kind of a productized service for link building, which is to say that we will do some strategy and we will, uh, you know, fulfill, orders and we will give you direction about, you know, uh, site and offsite SEO and keyword research and things like that. But I'm not the, the main point man, uh, kind of running all the campaigns. Um, I have some client interaction, but it's, it's sort of minimal. Um, and in that way I can be focused more about the team and the services that we run and a little more kind of on the business instead of in the business, as they say.
2: And I want to really hone in on, Dave, the importance of SEO. So me coming from the agency world, there's been a couple of different times. Um, I'll go like very, very beginning of agency world for for myself. It was like, I came in as a social media person, um, but they also want me to do a little SEO, also a little bit of email marketing. And it's like, Man, I'm an expert in social media, <laughs> but, but like, I know a little bit of SEO. So what it sounds like you're saying is that you really, really hone in on it. And in kind of like uh, more recent agency experience for me, you know, we were a more like paid digital media service. So we're trying to reduce your ROAS, um, you know, CPL efficiency, creative suggestions, things like that. But sometimes like we could marry this to a great SEO strategy and bring it all together. It would be wonderful. Uh, So it sounds like this is a great service for someone that might have some of these other things in place. But SEO content optimization is where they really need to start pivoting a little bit more. And they know you're going to get an expert level here versus kind of getting these bundles that you see out there.
3: Yeah, uh, SEO can be the gift that keeps on giving. You know, if you have visitors coming every month and you know checking out your product and booking calls and things like that, um, it's awesome, right? It's awesome when it works. It's not easy. Sometimes it takes months, even years, to kind of build up the quality content, the authority, and it's not necessarily applicable to every business. Um, there's just there's a lot of nuances. There's a lot of times when this is the right path for for someone, and, and times when it isn't. With regards to agencies, again, at least sort of in my experience, there are so many out there that are offering everything. And I understand from their perspective, you know, um, the customer becomes more sticky if they are involved in more um, services. And also, you can potentially create maybe a more effective growth campaign when you're incorporating multi-channel and you've got SEO and content and paid advertising and social and you own all that strategy and you can really kind of guide the entire ship. Um, but I mean, these are just massive uh, industries or spaces, even with an SEO, with it being more or less kind of the one channel that we focus on. There's still so much that even, that even we don't really know, you know, there's so many changes going on algorithmically with Google, uh, the incorporation of AI, there's all these uh, basically updates, changes, uh, every month, every year that we need to stay on top of. I couldn't really imagine also offering social and paid advertising and affiliate marketing, influencer, whatever it is, at, at a high level. Um, so we try to just kind of stick to our bread and butter, what we, what we feel we're more best in class in. And uh, we just, we leave the rest to, to to the other guys.
1: So on that point, a little bit off of the SEO track, but you bring up a good point around like knowing when you're offering too much or deciding when to take on a new product or service for your organization. is. Do you have any tips or advice for our entrepreneurs out there when thinking about, oh, should I be adding on another product? Should I be adding on another service? Or is this too much?
3: Sure. Some of the things that um, helped us steer in this direction and you know, full disclosure, we had we had started to introduce some other services into the agency with the thought that, hey, why don't we go kind of full service like everybody else? Um, that's what everyone's doing. It must be must be the right way to do things. And then we quickly found that we just lost our identity. It became very difficult within the website, within the, the marketing materials, the brochure, sales, etc., to kind of explain like who we are and what we do. And you know, we've been I've been on a many calls where I ask people sort of why they're why are they talking with us you know I mean there's so many other people they could be like you know uh interviewing for for service work and things like that and many times people will say you know you guys look like this is what you do you know I wanted someone that specialized in this um and when we started to add on those other services we really lost we lost that and we started to kind of put ourselves in a body of water where we, we were kind of outclassed, I think, by just more uh, established, polished, um, resource-backed agencies. And I said, you know, this is just not where we're going to be able to kind of compete. So what we can, we can not, well, I don't want to say own this space, because like I said, there are still many others who are in this, but we can play in this space. That makes sense. So um, I think, you know, it it comes, uh, you have to kind of have a bit of a intuition around who you are. what your team is, what you are not, what resources you have available, what you want, you know, what what you want this business to be. Um, And when I looked at kind of, you know, my model of these sort of remote teams where I tend to try to play more of a strategic role, but not always like directly involved in all the client work and something that could just be very productized. So if you go on our website, Unlike many agencies, we have month-to-month pricing that you can just see what it is, what we charge, and what you get for that. Um, it just for us, it just kind of made made sense. If that if that makes sense.
2: You know, one time I was on a um, it was when I was working on an internal team. We were getting agencies to pitch us, and there was a lot of feedback. People were asking me because they hadn't worked in that world before, and I came from it. And I was specifically asked that question, Dave, that if it doesn't have the pricing, you have to fill out the form to find out the pricing, what does that mean? Uh, I usually said, you don't want to (laughs) know. It's it's likely going to be high. Um, so that, that's, um, I always felt that was good to have that transparency and that understanding. Um, you did bring up one thing here. I definitely want to hit on, and this is, um, relating to, um, your SEO world. So chat GPT AI, um, big, big conversation. How do you see it affecting your world right now? Is it helping hurting? He's still trying to figure out kind of what the dominoes are. So trying to figure out
3: the dominoes at, you know, is my short answer in the, uh, the longer answer, I think, some of the pros and cons here that we're seeing, first of all, there's an existential question about search and kind of where search goes from here, if, if ever people were to really just go to something like a chat GPT and get questions answered, like, what does that mean for content? What does that mean for content creators? If someone can kind of go to a bot and get, you know, a pretty decent, usually distilled answer of what they need without having to kind of click through different websites and load screens and read and things like that. But also devil's advocate, like those bots are trained on content that people create. So it's like, there's a chicken and egg issue there. Like how do they even, they have to kind of coexist in some way. So us being an SEO, there's an existential question about search and kind of where that goes, but in the short to near term, you know, I just, I don't expect everybody to just be moving over to kind of chat GPT and all of a sudden nobody's Googling anymore. And it's, it's not worth it to, to rank at the top of Google or whatever it is. Those things are all still pretty valid it they'll be valid tomorrow and, and next week, etc. cetera. Um, with respect to, you know, how this works with businesses, maybe pursuing their own SEO campaigns, certainly all the ai tools are enabling businesses to do more themselves um you have ai tools that can design logos or websites um artwork in general create images for social media that they can write copy for social media they can write blog posts are they at the level yet where um you know they are as good as maybe potentially human-written content, at least human-written content when it's good, um, probably not. And you see some tug of war with Google and uh, you know de-indexing maybe AI-generated content and kind of on the hunt for that. And now there's this other branch of tools about you know is this AI or is it not? You know they're looking for detecting and things like that. Um, it's something that we need to be aware of. It's one of the reasons I do kind of like the space that we're in because it kind of forces us to be on top of of these kind of tech trends. Um, We are able to use um, some AI content uh, like writers ourselves to help seed some of the articles that we write. Um, We always have humans editing and kind of putting finishing touches on them, but um, it is nice to be able to kind of get that um, source material out there and that allows us maybe to improve our turnaround times and to decrease um all the kind of the manual work which maybe allows for lower prices and maybe opens up the service to other businesses that otherwise you know wouldn't have been uh able to 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 deal with the price tag of of kind of agencies and stuff like that so yeah back to my short answer we're still kind of like figuring out out um, and uh, seeing what the best way to kind of fit it, fit it all in. But it, it's definitely something we're paying a lot of attention to.
2: I know, Jess, that's a question you and I have started to get a lot on our sessions. It's kind of like this open-ended um, type when we consult different clients is, you know, how are you thinking about AI? And, you know, I think it's the same thing in social. We're just all trying to to wrap our heads around it a little bit right now and what that approach is. We've done some methods where we tested asking it to audit uh creatives for us and it wasn't bad. It did some good, had some good nuances too to it of what it wanted us to do, but I still think there's very much a human element. So I think we've all kind of fallen in the same place is that while it might speed up some work, I don't think chat GPT is coming in to replace, you know um high level marketers um high level um seo marketing anytime because there's still a lot of work to go with it
1: yes ibm is saying that it's a it's a reskill essentially mm-hmm. so they just came out with a new study talking about how 40% of the workforce will need to be reskilled so not replacement but uh, it's, it's you know it's definitely going to be something that as marketers entrepreneurs business leaders it's going to come into our world and we will need to adapt.
2: So Dave, let's take the the next few questions to wrap up today. And I want to kind of just dig into your personal world um, working as a CEO. So when you built shortlist, I know you've worked on some other projects as well, if you'd like to highlight, can you kind of just go through what the framework is? So, you know, we hear when we we talk to partners that are, are like in startups, for instance, they have, you know, their growth phases, they have these different phases in which they need their company to scale to in order to give them indicators that it could succeed. Did, was that very scientific for you? Was there a strategy behind this? You know, what was your technique?
3: It's uh validation. Idea validation is a funny thing. And I would say sometimes maybe the ones I spent more time validating ended up doing worse. Uh, it's hard to kind of uh, understand, like predict uh, what's going to be, what's going to be a hit. So for example, I had a, a software product I've been working on for some time and kind of like HR tech. And I had Done all this like competitive research and you know check out the market and uh you know did all these calls with people and start kind of building this tool and basically long story short like nobody was really interested in it uh shortlist on the other hand was sort of this somewhat of a side project where I only ever really wanted to be able to uh, build links for myself uh, and, you know, for other projects I was working on. I was like, oh, would it be great if I had my own service that I could just kind of leverage at cost? Um, And so I started to do uh, link building and I asked a couple other business owners if they would kind of join in um and maybe foot some of the bill and that way it would just kind of even out or whatever. And there was interest uh from that and interest kind of just spread and eventually started kind of modeling it out. And I said, oh, I think this, you know, this has sort of some potential. Um the the businesses that I've worked on that you know ever kind of made anything of themselves. There were always like breadcrumbs along the way. Um there, you know, there was always uh someone who was interested or excited about what you were working on, or organically some customer would sign up that you had never interacted with at all. And they just kind of, you know, sent you a message or, or bought something. And, um, you, know, you, you know, you found the right team member at the right time and things just kind of would fall into place. It was always something that was hard to kind of replicate. Um, but paying attention to those signals and understanding kind of when you're getting them and when you're not is a real difficult but important kind of gut check um, that I try to make. Um, so for example, when I start a business, um, I'm, that's when you're maybe the most objective about it. Uh, before you've invested really any time or money or, or whatever it is, um, you can kind of put some guidelines and say, if it hasn't hit this in six to 12 months, I should really consider maybe just moonlighting it. Um, and for example, Uh, I had that with the software where I had written way long, long ago, like 12 months. If we're not here, it's probably done. Uh, And then 12 months came by and I was like, okay, I guess that's it. Uh, And so, you know, but, but in the, in the process of, of building the business, you're always kind of thinking like, oh, you want to just give it another shot, give it some more time and things like that. So trying to kind of upfront, I guess, set some of those expectations where you can be objective about it, try to pay attention to the breadcrumbs, because if things are, Um, going to happen. Uh, There's always some clues along the way, some precursors to revenue, some genuine interest and excitement, and I don't know, whatever it is that kind of leads you uh, to eventually the end result of hopefully some success.
2: You know, this was, you know, a great parallel for this, what this reminds me of is, you know, when you're at the blackjack table. And you go through your entire bankroll, um, and you know that it's probably hits your moment where you're probably not going to make ROI at a blackjack today. But then you go to the ATM machine, and you know you're really not going to. So, you know that that's my parallel of entrepreneurship is the blackjack table. But I, but for um, for serious talk, I think it makes a lot of sense, Dave. And I've heard this a lot, and I'm curious to be here in your spheres too, is that a lot of times your first or even second, third projects, they aren't the ones that take off, but it's that kind of that attitude that you're going to kind of figure out the right, you know, the right company, the right project, the right thing, and you're eventually going to hit on it. But knowing when to pull out of a project sounds like it's just as important.
3: Yeah, I I think a lot of entrepreneurship is is kind of like staying in the game, you know, at least for, for most of us. Um, sometimes, hey, you just, you know, you just strike oil and, and whatnot. But but for many of us, it's uh, we need the learnings. We need to make the mistakes. We need to have some pivots, have some evolutions. And if you're all in at the blackjack table and the hand doesn't go your way, then you have to leave, you know. And that's kind of where, where I, I've found myself plenty of times with entrepreneurship, where I'll take some risks. Maybe even sometimes I probably overstepped a little bit, but never, you know, bet the house on anything to to know that if it didn't go my way, you know, hey, it stings, but there's another tomorrow. And now you have six to 12 months of whatever it is of additional learnings of people that you've met, of knowing what isn't working and being able to try to kind of pivot from that. So, yeah, I, I think your analogy is spot on.
2: And then final question, Dave, um, been a great discussion. This is one that I was super excited about because this is just a, a perspective that, you know, we don't get a lot of, you know, hearing from someone in your shoes. It's been really, really helpful. And I, I just know that someone that's listening that might be looking to get into this, I think you've summed up, you know, so many questions that somebody might have. Um, looking into yourself right now, so short list. Um, you know, that's likely you know, your big project right now. Is there anything else you have um, on the cooker right now, or is it you're really focused in on, on growing shortlist?
3: I probably should be 100% focused on shortlist, at least that's kind of what I hear when I, you know, hear from people read books and they kind of go, Hey, just stay focused, stop shiny object syndrome and all that. Uh, but uh, as is my nature. I try not to split myself too thin, but I I like to have one or two other things that are kind of like in the pipeline, because again, you kind of have to put feelers out and you have to kind of see, are are you experiencing some breadcrumbs, some interest? So one of the things is, uh, as I mentioned, this kind of uh, entrepreneurs community in Philly, which I'm really excited about. Um, We call call it Philly Tech Entrepreneurs. I've never really been involved in like a, a community driven sort of Business or organization, um, and it has a different feel to it. Um, SEO is cool, but uh, you know it's just not quite the same. I don't know; it just feels a little bit. It's more of this online business that you know we we run and we 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 help businesses grow, which is nice. But there's always a level of, I guess, disconnect between you know myself and kind of the end user. Uh, With you know PTE, I'm kind of out there actually meeting other people in Philly, and it feels like maybe I have a chance to potentially impact like the tech scene and tech ecosystem in the city that is not necessarily known for for tech and also influence like the next generation of entrepreneurs. And even though I'm still, I feel very much in my journey, you know, I do have, I guess, 10 or so years of of something behind me. And so there's probably some 25 year old out there who's me and you know what they need is a place to go and meet some people and get some feedback and stuff like that. So happy to kind of be able to provide that. So that's that's one thing that, you know, w- what the business model ends up being. Uh, if anything is still TBD, we have some ideas about does it become some sort of accelerator or incubator or membership site or do we just run cool events and people have fun? I don't know, but uh, that's a little kind of, yeah, something cooking, I guess.
2: No, I love it. It's something that just always keeps you thinking. It keeps us thinking. Like I, one thing that Just and I have highlighted a lot since doing this program and it's no different today is this actually... Like motivated us in our careers, just hearing a lot of different perspectives and how people are staying fresh out there. You know, it's very like you said, it's easy. You could just say, Hey, I have shortlist going, it's what I'm focused on, but you're staying fresh and you're you're creating things and getting involved in the community. So love that, Dave. We are at time right now. Um, fantastic interview. Um, again, Dave Schneider, CEO founder of shortlist. Be sure to check it out if you need SEO. Um, it's the place to go. So Dave, till next time, it was wonderful having you here today. And I know that we both learned a lot.
1: Thanks so much, guys. I really enjoyed it as well. No problem.
2: See ya. So Jess, that is another great way of, um, I feel like expanding horizons. Like I feel like we went through what Dave um, talked about today. And, you know, going on a journey across the world and, you know, coming up with this. And, you know, I I just feel like it's such a consistency as we talk to marketers and it's about what they're doing that excites them. But I necessarily don't feel like when we're in the marketing room, you know, like coming up with like the best marketing strategy, CPLs, CPMs, things like that. We're not talking about these things. And I don't know, like, if there's like a route to normalizing it. But it's just so fascinating to me when we do this podcast, we hear such a different side of marketers and executives that we didn't hear before.
1: Uh, Absolutely. And and very timely with the newsletter that we released yesterday talking about finding creative inspiration. There's lots of parallels to what Dave was saying with what Tom Anderson did and how he got into photography and, and finding his creative flow in in that way so i'm i'm loving it
2: yes and tom anderson that's our guy still he's been on instagram uh i saw him in the pool not that long ago um where was he is it he was hollywood i think he's back in the states again so you never really know where he's at but he just pops up on on um on instagram every now and then so you know he's living the life and You know, still, I I think, pondering what his next adventure will be. Um, I still believe that Tom from MySpace will jump back into the game at some point, and we'll be here to interview him when he does. Yes, we're putting it out there. (laughs) But uh, no, back to Dave, though, I think it's so interesting. I, I feel like selfishly, when I talk to people in our world, I'm most fascinated by CEOs because, It is such a, you know, there's, I guess there's two paths to it. There's like corporate CEO, which, you know, you work up the ladder, you spend 30 years trying to get there. And then there's also like 25 year old CEO that just goes for it at a young age. And I just, I, I'm just so curious about the mental space of where they're at, and like what their cues are to go for it. I found it fascinating where he said, worst case scenario, I end up living back with my parents. That was my scenario not that long ago. It was like, if I didn't get this digital thing to work, like when I was unemployed, I was close to living with my parents again in my later 20s. So it's just interesting to hear that. You know, that would have been that would have been impactful for me. Um, seven, eight years ago to hear somebody say that, just to not feel alone in that regard.
1: Yeah, definitely. And and he still instills a lot of the mindsets that we've talked about in previous episodes. And it's just, it's just refreshing to hear, but we've talked about yet the just going for it, uh, just like not being perfect and, uh, or thinking about perfection and just continuing to do things he talked a lot about you know learning so he, like even if he did fail or even if it didn't work and he mentioned that a few of his endeavors didn't work it was an incredible learning opportunity and a way for him to better understand the market better understand uh, his customers and what they're looking for
2: You know, and I I think about that, too, from, you know, larger CEOs out there and, you know, like Zuckerberg's the one that's in the news all the time. So, you know, Meta was, you know, Facebook Meta, uh, whatever you want to call it, was started as a startup. It grew to what it is today. There's, you know, there's uh, documentaries, there's movies, there's all kinds of things about that. Um, But we've also seen them fall flat on their face a few times. Like we've seen them kick off projects like the Metaverse that, Don't didn't seem like we got very far with what we're trying to do, Um, but we've seen, you know, meta pick up again like the the sales have been good the last quarter so looks like it's starting to come back again so I think that you know we see it in kind of entrepreneurial lens but we also see it at the highest highest stakes. So it's interesting to just go through a CEO's mind, like, do they stand still? And I don't think in a tech industry, a lot of places like to stand still or do they go for it? When do they go for it? And sometimes it seems like it's just a hunch and, you know, you have to be willing to fail to do that. Um, But I think the lesson here to take for all of marketers and just people in this professional world is... You know, I can activate a campaign for $30,000 and it could fall flat on my face, but was there a learning that I took from it so the next one I launched can do really well? And then also, it might feel like I'm like the worst person in the world because I messed this campaign up, but there's CEOs out here who are launching million-dollar endeavors, multi-million-dollar endeavors, knowing that it's a flip of a coin. So there's a lot of people doing this in this game. So you know, I think it's like you pick and choose your moments, but I think it's a reminder that people are doing this and, you know, there are avenues to go for it.
1: hmm And being open to having those conversations, uh, going a little deeper into why something failed. So D- Dave, you know, is talking a lot to his community, to other entrepreneurs, and it was a way for him to find creative inspiration, but also too, it's a way to continue to move forward like the creative flow will lead to the innovative ideas.
2: I think I love that too. Cause you know, you and I both have different, you know, little side projects we do. The podcast is one of them. Um, we both do some teaching, you know, I've um, I actually had floated the idea in the past. I actually tried to start a Pittsburgh uh, digital club, you know, where we could do meetups and whatnot. I think the, the miss that I had on that is I did it too close to COVID. I did it like in 2021. I don't think the market was ready for that yet, but it kind of like brought some energy. It's like, should I revisit that again? But I, I I just, I love the energy that a lot of these kind of passion projects bring. And I, I I think, again, I think we say at most podcasts is that there's a direct attachment to those projects. I feel like that we see in our day-to-day lives in market, as marketers.
1: Yes. And now I'm starting to think, Andy, this could be the time. You've gotten some creative inspiration from Dave. And Pittsburgh may need this community.
2: I don't know that. just I can get behind easier than our roller coaster influencer series. There's a lot more work that goes into that. And there's a lot more that can go wrong when doing creative elements like that. But this, I feel like I can pull off a little easier.
1: Well, I mean, again, Dave gave you some creative inspiration there too, with starting his his travel yep. <laughs> vlog. So it's just something, something to think about here. And you've got so many possibilities, so many routes.
2: See, this is the why I, you know, you you're a, a good instigator on this, but there's been like people, and I don't know about maybe your world. Just tell us if if you've ever felt like this, but people are like, Andy, why don't you just go like build something? Like you're one of these people who just likes to construct things. I'm like, I do, but you know, I'm like a lot of people, you know, that it's some of the risk of failure, time, effort, things like that. So I think we do a good job of demystifying this on the making of a marketer. Agreed. So. Upcoming Jess, I, we've got some things we're working on. Um, I did preview Firefest at the very beginning of the show. Um, I am trying to work on something. We don't know what something is yet, Jess, but we're working on something. I want to know what is the marketing strategy for Firefest too? Now, if it's happening or not, I don't know. It's a crazy thing. A lot of things happen that shouldn't have happened on Firefest original. We don't condone it in any way. But the marketing to me has always been fascinating on this festival, because if you say the word FYRE, FIRE, everybody knows what it is. So the fact this thing is back, um, there was a popular agency that worked with them the first time, Jerry Media. Um, I I doubt they're involved again after the first incident. But the marketing that they put together um, actually, I feel like, is a template for influencer marketing that a lot of companies use today. like They were really innovative in the way they did influencer marketing. So I'm real curious what this is. It came out of thin air. Billy McFarland is back. Uh, So very curious to see how this turns out. So I might be mentioning it on the podcast here and there, because this is like a a fascinating case study to me.
1: Absolutely. And and like we've discussed before, when it comes to influencer marketing, there were foundational techniques and uh, skills that are being taught in social media classes today. So it, it is important for us as marketers, like look, using this as a learning opportunity and a way for us to continue to grow and uh, and experience. Uh, we need to dive a little deeper, and, yeah. and I'm I'm curious too because again this. Watching that documentary, it was very disturbing and it, it absolutely makes me question social media and we, <laughs> I mean, this is something that's, yeah, yeah, we, we are in social media and uh yeah, it, it I, I want to learn more.
2: Well, what it did for me as a marketer that made me question a lot of like how I'm teaching people how to market is the, the real marketing that went into Firefest Fest is, is composed into a couple parts. It's getting a bunch of influencers on a beach and shooting a commercial. Then the influencers are paid to do the commercial. They post on their own feeds. And then I, it was um, Kendall, I believe, Kendall Jenner got 250k to do one post. So it was the commercial shoot. It was get the influencers. It was Kendall Jenner. And it was all organic after that. And so you're already talking like just like the logistics of this, you're probably in the millions. But then I think about hey, there's like big companies that spend millions, millions of dollars to do these large commercial shoots, and it's just for the commercial and nothing else comes after it. It's not running the ad buys. That's not, you know, the brand to demand strategy. It's not the retargeting strategy. Like Firefest didn't use any of this. Like this was an influencer pay upfront to organic strategy and it sold out immediately. And I think that's where the old crap happened to Billy McFarland is I don't think they expected it to get that big. And then it's like, we can pull this off and they couldn't. Uh, so it's just fascinating to me because you know we get pinged about organic strategy from time to time. And I think there's a wide belief still that exists that organic can't be you know mega multi-million return on investment and it can. It's nuanced. might be a little trickier, but when we look at this influencer strategy, that's the part that fascinates me. Mm-hmm. absolutely. because
1: again, it 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 goes back to to word of mouth and this idea that we, especially on social, like we we are trusting others in our community. and we want that social proof. So in a way, an influencer represents.
2: That social proof. Yes. Yep. It's a represented Firefest is cool. So Fire Two will be working on that, um, and then we'll have it's gonna be a couple of weeks from now. We have someone coming from the space program, so that'll be exciting too. But Jess, we are all up on time. So thank you once again. I think this was another fabulous episode, and I'm looking forward to what's to come here in the coming weeks. Yes, I can't wait. We'll talk soon. It's the making of a marketer. You know, Marketing Podcast Network, Spotify, LinkedIn Live. We'll see you again uh, coming here next week. See ya. Bye. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy.